It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The founder of Panasonic once said, We can lead more meaningful and constructive lives through the pursuit of activities that will ensure a better today than yesterday, a better tomorrow than today. Panasonic is committed to creating a greener, more equitable future for for everyone. everyone. Explore Panasonic Green Impact at na.panasonic.com slash greenimpact. At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray Strandom wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. Whether you're making a delicious family meal or a post-workout snack, choose the farm-fresh taste of Eggland's best eggs. Only Eggland's best hens are fed their proprietary all-vegetarian feed. That's what makes their eggs more nutritious. With 10 times more vitamin E, 25% less saturated fat, and 6 times more vitamin D compared to ordinary eggs. Eggland's best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com to learn more. Hello, you're listening to the BBC Good Food Christmas podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. Hello, welcome to the BBC Good Food podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. In this special Christmas series, I'm talking about the Christmases that went wrong and helping me and my co-hosts, Miriam Nice and Orlando Merrin. To start off then, Orlando, what has been your biggest Christmas nightmare? It was the Christmas morning when the door fell off the oven. Now this this was a Murrin family Christmas. Um, My mother had done her best. It was the turkey was in there, and she opened it to take a look, and the door came off in my in her hands. Now that sounds bad, but it's really what happened after that. The aftermath, because my father, who was an immense DIYer, moved in with his toolkit and took over the entire kitchen and spent the next two hours repairing the oven door while my mother tried to salvage the rest of Christmas around it. I mean, that sounds bad. How did it, how did it end up? Did he, you... did, he, got the, he, he could do anything, my father. If, if you gave him the time and the tools, he could do anything. We lived in a strange place where the water was... Um, we didn't have mains water, and the water was pumped into the house. And you could guarantee that on every bank holiday, including, of course, Christmas Day, that the pump to the the water pump would break as well. So he was usually down the well repairing the water pump. But on that Christmas, just for a change, we had the oven door incident. It was horrible. 
That sounds pretty. That does sound pretty rough. But was the was the Christmas lunch amazing? The Christmas lunch is always amazing, and they kind of repaired their. My parents repaired their anger in time for the Christmas lunch. Uh, and what about you, Miriam? What's your worst Christmas nightmare? Actually, they've all been fine, which I feel means there's one that's going to happen, like, you know, the freezer's going to blow up or something. But they've all been fine. I think the worst thing that happened was that we forgot to cook the pigs in blankets. And so I quickly had to, like, microwave them and then pan fry them. And they were actually fine. But that, that's the worst that's happened. I'm very lucky. I mean, I've got to be honest, when I saw this is the one that we're going to be talking about, I went, what's my brother? And I'm like, Miriam. I mean, I was thinking of the worst Christmas lunch disaster I've had. And I once didn't take the cauliflower cheese out of the oven. <laughs> it's like, it's like of all the other things. I, and I'm trying to think, there must be a disaster that went wrong. And to, I think it's because we're quite lucky because it's what we do as a job. Yeah. We're, we're involved in it and, we, and you're a part of it. And you, you, you understand the structure, the planning, the bits and bobs. You've got yourself sorted. You, you organise your kitchen in the right way because it's what we do. So I can imagine that when you look at it and how big a job Christmas lunches because it is quite big if you haven't got that prep and planning you can imagine all sorts of disasters going wrong but I'm like you Miriam I've got to be honest I, I, it's, I've, I've been very very lucky particularly if people get a bit over ambitious on Christmas and so it's not just a big meal for a lot of people but maybe they decide to push the boat out on recipes that they're not really confident about with lots of different techniques and lots of extra dishes I can see that I don't know why I'm smiling as I said but I can see that crashing to the ground and being a horrific car crash a train wreck of a Christmas yeah I mean you can feel like if you've not done it before either it feels like sometimes people do that you know like blokes never cook apart from on the barbecue and now I'm going to be a barbecue king like those kind of blokes it's the same sort of thing that happens and barbecues are like the sausages are burnt and they're raw in the middle and that, you know those kind of designs because they're not used to do it. like the Christmas day this is not a time for doing something new this is a time for going okay stick to the things that you know make sure everyone enjoys themselves you do it it's just a big roast dinner don't throw out anything out there that you're unfamiliar with don't, don't ruin it now and say you decided to do the whole thing from kind of fancy cookbooks and you're I can see pages being flicked as they're rustling from recipe to recipe and the whole thing's going to be ready at some point on Boxing Day isn't it if, with all these different dishes going on all these these finessed vegetables and and jus and all the rest of it that require everything requiring a different kind of technique and effort see that's the thing I'll make the turkey gravy I'll make it three or four days before you know it's done it's fine it's in the fridge it's made the roast potatoes you can have blanched the bits and bobs the pudding everything you can have done ready before it's like if you wake up on Christmas morning and go right then let's open the book and see what we're doing that that is a recipe for disaster of course some people just find the whole thing a bit stressful and when when they're work, working or cooking under stress, you know, it's not their job. Things start to go wrong. They lose their concentration or forget that something's in the oven and then there's a, a scream. I can understand people getting a bit upset. I, I think there might be an inclination for cooks um, to 
try and do it all themselves when there are usually lots of helping hands available. So delegate would be quite a big thing to avoid disaster. I I think so. And also there's another good thing about delegating, which it gets other people involved. And it doesn't have to be a kind of solo bravado effort of look what I can do. It's really better not treated like that, isn't it? It's very tempting to do that. Like, I did it this year. And then you can be like, you can do it next year (laughs) and sort of share it out. Well, people do alternate households. But within that household, I think you could still get someone to, to help you out. Are you really calm in the kitchen as well? Have you got top tips for people to stay calm when making this? Um, well, I'm, I'm very orderly in the kitchen. I mean, I do get upset when something doesn't go the way I like it, but I proceed and I can honestly say that I've never had, I've never served professionally a meal that hasn't been acceptable. I mean, some have been outstanding, I would like to think, and some only acceptable, but never, there's never, I've never put out a meal that was a disgrace. And Tom, I'm going to have to ask you the same question that Miriam asked me. <laughs> what? Have they... I ever served a meal that's been a disgrace? <laughs> yeah. Not in the space where I've uh, I've owned a work, but I, as a young chef, I remember working in a couple of places where we've had like absolute disasters on a Sunday. I helped somebody out one Sunday lunch years and years ago. I must have been about 20 years old, and I was helping... Um, a, a kitchen for a weekend that I didn't know and it was an old head chef that I did and I went there and I mean I remember it being so so far behind with all the checks and all the issues and the problems that we were having that we were putting the beef in the deep fat fryer for, for, for lunch to get it cooked we were doing like the potato like it was just chaos mayhem and you know um, <clears throat> the printed tickets when a check comes on and it keeps just printing the tickets and the machine just felt like it never ended. It just kept making that horrible printing noise. And by the time we started clearing down from the Sunday lunch, it was like 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the Sunday afternoon. Well, I moved um, one of the containers to start clearing down. And then were just a load of checks there that we hadn't even done. Like guests have just been in. Like it was just absolutely chaotic. I remember that as being one of the worst. So it, like, But, you know, that was... 28 years ago, you know, I've learned my lesson from there. I, I actually, the, as, as I finished that, the chef went, is there any chance you can help us next weekend? I was like, <laughs> absolutely nope. not, mate. No way. Like, yeah. That's made me go cold even thinking of that 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 horror. I do have me- meals, uh, like meals that I make for me and my partner go horribly wrong sometimes. And Is that because uh, you're trying something new? Yeah, I'm try- I try recipes all the time. And I'm not going to say that it's... Actually, I am. I'm going to say if a recipe's a dud and I don't spot it's a dud, I make it quite loyally following the recipe because I want to try out what it is. And sometimes they're absolutely hair-raisingly and I get really upset and I, I rip the recipe up, obviously, and I try and look at the recipe. Why didn't I spot that this couldn't work and then I, I see what the problems are in the recipe but the other thing that drives Who, me whose books are <laughs> who me and Miriam are looking at going, who's, who's he going to throw under the bus here whose book is this certainly certainly no one in this room <laughs> no that, that's a hor- horrible experience and um, I do make a note not to not to cook from that person again it's just upsetting when someone does a dud recipe and the other thing that i think gets a lot of people down is they often on recipes they say how long it takes now you could say i'm going to time it from when i walk into the kitchen or when i'm going to time it from when i get the ingredients out 
But when it says it'd be ready in an hour and it takes two and a half hours, I really do get a bit annoyed about that because anyone can sit down and work it out for themselves how long it takes. But um, there we are. I'm quite irascible. <laughs> do you have any, like, just-in-case ingredients, like, Tom? Like, So if something is going to go wrong, like the oven or something, particularly at Christmas or the shops are shut, there is a lot of pressure. Do you have anything in that's, like, just-in-case we have loads of this? Well, I, do you know what I try to do? I always make the... I'm not cooking anything necessarily fresh on the day. So I'll always try and have like the carrots and the parsnips blanched and the, and the roast potatoes blanched but not roasted. Or So you can always still, if the oven, for example, the oven door fell off or, or it stopped yeah. working, you could roast them in the pan or you could do. Um, the, the, the big one is obviously roasting the turkey. However, last year I cooked the turkeys on the barbecue. So I cooked them in one of those egg-style barbecues and they were amazing. So those egg-style barbecues were like ovens. Do you know what I mean? So they're, they're not just like there's a grill and a flame cooking through. It, it's a heat that's held in a ceramic shape. And the flavour that you get from it was amazing. So I, I always try to make sure that I'm not reliant on trying to get everything done on the day so that there are alternatives if like you know, the barbecue isn't going to break, the oven isn't going to break and the stove isn't going to break all on the same day. You hope. Yeah. You hope. So making sure you've got barbecue like coals and firelighters and everything in just in case the oven door falls off. There you go. That would be quite a good thing. Christmas dinner on a barbecue, Lando. Don't knock it until you try it. Those barbecues with lids, you get, they take the temperature as well of what's going on in there. Yeah, there's a gauge gauge on the front of it and you you control and regulate the temperature by the amount of airflow that you put through it. So the more you practice it, and obviously coals, but you've got to buy good coals so that they, you know, great charcoal so it sits there and holds the temperature but you know you bring the, you bring the, uh, the the barbecue up to around about 180 190 degrees like you would like an oven and you roast the turkeys in the barbecue for the same amount of time you know three hours whatever it is however long as if it's an oven and you just got to keep a little a little eye on regulating the heat open the vents a little bit more let more air in heats the oven up just as the coals slowly dip down and you'll just end up with this beautiful flavored it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply.
Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. And do you sometimes need to add a bit more charcoal? Or, or that not, you, no, you're always putting enough charcoal at the beginning? Exactly. If you've bought good charcoal, it'll hold its temperature. If you buy the, the cheaper stuff, like quite often, and you use that, that, that will burn out really quickly. But you need some big, chunky stuff that holds its temperature. While we're talking about barbecues, can I ask you, you're obviously a great barbecue expert. You know, <laughs> you know when you've done your barbecue and you, you're, you're clearing up, the tidying up the barbecue, you probably have someone to do that for you. <laughs> Um, you get these lovely lumps of charcoal that haven't really burned. Do you save them for next time? Yeah, do you, you can reuse them. Good. Yeah, yeah, That's absolutely. what I do, but I yeah. feel a bit guilty. Miriam, do you save your barbecue barbecue charcoal? I don't have a barbecue because I don't have any outside space. Oh. But I often, when I go around to someone's house and they're having a barbecue, I often like, go up to the barbecue and say, I can do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I do ha- they then clear it up for me because so, it's, it's their the, house. It's the best fun. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah, the, if the your bear. barbecue coals haven't burned, absolutely use them again. Yeah, I thought so. But then I felt a bit guilty as if there was, you meant to throw them all away and start all over again. No, 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 no. Because yeah, charcoal is such beautiful stuff. I get local charcoal, which and they tell me which practically which tree it came from. They tell me which type of tree it came from, and they burn slightly differently. But they're so beautiful, the chunks of charcoal, and some are huge and some are, some are small. It's a wonderful thing to cook on, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, great flavour, great flavour. But always, it's it's the same. Like Mary was saying, make sure that you just you got your stuff, you're organised whether it's charcoal or whether it's <laughs> whether having your pans ready, know what you're going to cook and make sure you've got enough oven trays, make sure you've got enough, have everything there so that you know what you're going to do so that Christmas Day will go smoothly. Yeah, I think if you write out your menu so you, you're aware of exactly what you're expected to produce at a certain time and you work it backwards yeah, from list, there. Listen, list. I had like a spreadsheet one year and I, because I, I was cooking Excel out spreadsheet. My, I did have a spreadsheet. <laughs> and I took it because it was, I was cooking at my parents' house and then any time, so embarrassing, it's like in my mid-30s and then any time anyone came round, my dad was like, um, look, look, she's done a spreadsheet. And <laughs> like having your kids drawing like held up. It was really fun. But okay, so we've covered if the oven goes what happens if your fridge freezer goes have you got any advice can anything be salvaged if that you'd goes? kind of notice wouldn't you if it oh, what a terrible scenario of waking up on christmas morning and the freezer's defrosting well if it's defrosting all is not lost because if it's defrosting um you can use anything that you can use on christmas day and then put the rest in a box and put it <laughs> out you come downstairs in, and the fridge freezer's defrosted that's it christmas day's out the window you're having you're having pizza <laughs> you're, you're having fish fingers you're having uh, potato waffles and oven chips <laughs> yeah i mean that's it we're Pizza's using everything. it all up. Yeah. the yeah. ice cream's done for don't worry about that but yeah tell you what and Pe- pizza, potato waffles, Christmas Day dinner sounds amazing. <laughs> and just forget about the turkey and the stuff in the top because the fridge is still working, of course. So we'll leave that. We'll have have the turkey on another day. 
Actually, fortunately, it's cold at Christmas, and you can you can store stuff. People store stuff in their garages, don't they? Absolutely, they... yeah. So this is the thing. There's lots of things like the veg you can keep outdoor. You could keep in a a cool box outside, or a, just any form of box, you know, or keep it in your garage. Or, do it. Like or in the car, or in the or in the car. <laughs> <laughs> is that where you've kept vegetables before? And I live? No, but like Miriam's got no outdoor space, so I'm thinking that she could put it in her car. Do I you don't have, have a car. <laughs> Could you but strap have, it to the back of your bicycle? We have, I don't have a bicycle. We have put things on the balcony before because it's been cold enough. So like, you know, like bottles of fizzy water or something, like if you need extra of that, then I'll put that on the on the balcony where it's cooler. And then you've got more fridge space. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Can work. Fridge space is actually quite a good question. And I know lots of people like they're almost, um, they're items that people always wanted, those American style big fridges. And, you know, I'm very lucky that we got one of those at home in a big fridge. But actually, it's not just like some sort of status symbol about look at my big fridge. The bigger the fridge, the more airflow is better, the longer your food will last. Like, and it, so if you've only got a small fridge, don't pack it. Don't put things in there that are unnecessary. Don't overload it. Don't do because that that won't help the shelf life of the thing that are in it you know the airflow needs to be there to keep everything fresh and crisp so if you've got it doesn't matter what size fridge you got but please make sure that you don't overpack it give it enough airflow because then everything will last i'd like one of those fridges that you walk into you do i have encountered them in some big houses where you actually walk a refrigerated room like you have in the restaurant you got you've been to someone's house that's got a walk-in fridge yeah in the states in the states they have walk-in rooms that you can go and stay they have walk-in fridges but just a refrigerated room and when you it's very hang hot, out with different people. When it's very hot, you, you, go, and, you go and you've stand got, in there. You've got some friends in some very high places with some very big houses. It's just a giant American-style fridge, isn't it? You have those it's in the restaurant. Room. Yeah, you I have, have them yeah. in a restaurant because we do 80 people every lunch and dinner. Of course we need a fridge that big. Not your own house. Wouldn't it be brilliant? Just How is when Brad you, Pitt? <laughs> when you bring back your shopping from the supermarket, wouldn't it be brilliant just to bring back the bags, which is always a bit boring, but unpacking it. Don't unpack it at all. Just put it into the walk-in fridge. We should all have a walk-in fridge. Let's convert our dining rooms into walk-in fridges. And that would make life a lot easier, wouldn't it? The electricity bill would be a lot higher, I think. Yeah, actually, and we're not meant to be refrigerated. Refrigeration is quite a, a big um, uh, fuel cost, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Let's just comfy and pickle everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll save that for the future, the, the walk-in fridge idea. I'm sorry you're not impressed by it. I thought I had the oh. answer for you. <laughs> Yeah, I am. It just sounds quite excessive. No I mean, Miriam hasn't got a garden, a car <laughs> or a bike. And now you're trying to convert part of a flat into a fridge. <laughs> but I mean, you guys have been, I've been quite lucky and not had too many disasters apart from your oven door falling off. But we did talk to the BBC Good Food Together group, didn't we? And they had some oh, some tales. Horror stories. I, know. I mean, thank you, BBC Good Food Together, for telling us, for coming clean and sharing the thing. We Deaths at the table, vomiting bugs, ovens blowing up. Forget oven doors falling off. Oven blow, blowing Death up. At the table. Deaths at the table, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that sounds like an Agatha Christie afternoon novel or like movie that we're watching, well, but it's actually something that actually happens. Well, like you, I would make light of it, but it did actually happen to someone who wrote in the Good Food Together group. So that's a 
thank you for sharing. But I mean, it is a bit, it's obviously made Christmas rather bleak for for her. Um, houses burning down. The- what? I mean, I mean, they, they, I mean, there's disasters like forgetting to serve the, 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 the cauliflower cheese, and there's houses burning, burning down, down and yeah. people dying. Well, the house this is a that, this is a bad. Christmas. There's a lot of fire hazard in a Christmas meal, isn't there? There's all the napkins, all that stuff that should have been cleared away by the by the dad. See, the house this is his why bin you bag. need a bin bag to come out nice and early, <laughs> pick all the rubbish up. Safety first. Safety so, first. So it goes up like it's like a tinderbox. A Christmas dinner table, like it just anyway. So, um, so uh, for instance, Kayla Clark, she had um, C- Christmas Day, all the family round, huge turkey just finished cooking, covered it with foil, went for a quick tipple with the family. That's fine enough. Came back to the kitchen and found my dog had eaten one whole side of my turkey. I told no one for years. <laughs> she I mean, carved the rest of it. I yeah, <laughs> I, I got to be honest. That's that I would go with that. I think she played the right game there. I mean, what else can you do? I think you'd have to... I, I, I Probably, I'm thinking now of, you know, health and safety. I mean, the dog only ate half the turkey, didn't it? So the other half was, ergo, uneaten, wasn't it? So, and the dog had probably concentrated hard on the side that it was eating and hadn't even sniffed or touched the other side. So it was pure and clean. I mean, you could pop it back in the oven at, you know, 200 for a couple of minutes. And that on was, its... With that. Oh, sanitize yeah. anything. So maybe not the cut the nibbled bit off. Maybe. Cut it off. On, then... Put it on its side and say that I'm doing. This is called a demi turkey. So it's a new turkey cut. It... Yeah. Anyway, the dog apparently. Oh, you don't want to hear about the dog. Actually, that was <laughs> another. another that was a. That was another. Another dog. <laughs> another do, a dog. <laughs> there was a dog. There was a dog who ate the Christmas cake, um, and. Uh, a cocker spaniel ate the Christmas cake and it, Angela Brown said it's the only time she's ever seen a black dog look green they were, apparently she cleared up as best she could because the dog was sick and they found it a few weeks later behind the par behind the Christmas tree that they'd missed poor old poor old Angela Brown anyway brilliant <laughs> um, do, you want, do, you want, do you want another one? Yes, please. I'm not, no. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> oh, this is, these, uh, these are panic making. I had a, this is Julia Pates. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who, who, who wrote in on BBC Good Food Together. I had a very small galley kitchen, too small to have more than one person in at a time. I took my turkey out of the oven, not really realising my husband had crept into the kitchen behind me. I stepped back, bumped into him and dropped the roasting tin. The fan went everywhere and I really do mean everywhere. I spent the rest of the day cleaning. The turkey was fine, but I couldn't cook anything else as the fat got into the controls of my cooker. Absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that is it. That's, that's, uh, I'm actually, uh, I, I'm not feeling sorry for, I'm feeling sorry for him. Like, can you imagine how, in the bad books he was? How many brownie points has he had got He's creeping there? into the kit, into the He's, g- not, he's, like he's, coming, he's coming in to he's give her a Christmas hug. He's, he's all silently like, nice and no, He's coming in to give her a little Christmas hug, ask how she's doing. It's all gone horribly wrong. Now it's his fault. She's not talking to him. <laughs> Silent treatment. Hate now hates her Christmas present. No one's got any lunch. Hate, like, honestly, I'm... 
yeah, the guy's dying inside. We well, need to get him one of these hats, these Christmas hats with the bells on. And yes. Then, then there would be no surprise. Do you know maybe. what I would suggest to Julie Pates if she has a small galley kitchen again is to put up some of those angled mirrors so that she can see <laughs> so behind <laughs> See if people are creeping in behind her so she doesn't get a shot. She's also sounds, Julie, as if she's got one of those nervous dispositions. I know someone who, you know, you have to cough and do all sorts of things before you go near a room that she's in. Otherwise, she does that thing of jumping out of her skin. And I think that must be so bad for your heart when you get, you know, when someone really makes you jump. So poor old Julie, it's uh, having fat over the kitchen was the least of it. She could have actually been dead on that kitchen floor, covered in hot fat. I, 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 I mean. Sorry, I, this has taken a bleak turn, this podcast, hasn't it? it really has. What would be the safest, quickest way to clear all that up? What would you suggest? In the hot fat on the floor at Christmas? Because it will happen, like someone will, you know, spill a little bit of the turkey juices on the floor and then you need to clear news, it. Newspaper, newspaper. Newspaper. And I think you've got to get it off to yeah. stop it slipping and change your footwear. Yeah. Well, Tom finds it hilarious. You call someone in. You say, "Come on, come on, guys, clear the, <laughs> well, this mess." I get him to do it. I mean, yeah. That's <laughs> All he did was walk into the kitchen. Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it would then be a safety zone, wouldn't it? it? Like he's the only one person allowed in the kitchen. He's not getting told off anymore. He's just cleaning. He's just cleaning. That's it. You it? need he, a lot of de-oiling spray to get the because it's very greasy, isn't it? Turkey fat. It really is sticky and greasy. Hot lot, water. Hot water, hot water does everything, yeah. Hot water, really hot water gets rid of everything. Caustic soda. <laughs> <laughs> Have we got time for one or Bleach. two more? <laughs> <laughs> Bleach. Sorry, I'm really carried away. Oh, um, let me have a look. Oh, oh, this is good. Karen Endersby. One Christmas Eve, the temporary shelf my dad had fixed in the kitchen. You, you, you know something. You hear the words temporary shelf in the <laughs> yeah. kitchen, don't you? Uh-oh. Which was loaded with Christmas fare, crashed down on top of the homemade mince pies, Christmas cake, Christmas pudding trifle. Everything was covered in pickles, red cabbage, pick a lily. Um, this was way back in the 1970s. And as it was gone, 10 in the evening, all the shops were shut in those days until after the Boxing Day, after Boxing Day. The mess was horrendous. Though we laugh about it now, at the time, my mum was not pleased with my dad's shoddy DIY. Boy, that was a Christmas, I bet. Poor Again, that, right? Temporary shelf, right? She's been married to him I imagine a while she knows his, his reputation in DIY what's she loading the shelf up for like you know yeah. I mean and also him, pickles at the top pickles are heavy all those glass heavy things exactly. at the top put yeah, the light yeah. things at the top at least yeah I yeah. mean we weren't there he might have been like yep yeah, you can put anything you like on that it's brilliant it's my best bit of DIY yet we don't know we weren't there <laughs> You can't blame her as well. <laughs> no, but it does start off with temporary Debris. shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very temporary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Liberty from the Good Food team, um, she tells us that she served up, they, she had a lot of people to Christmas, great big family. And so they had, um, they, they expanded onto trestle tables and they sit down at the trestle table. Everyone's knives and forks are raised, all these plates of gleaming turkey and great. And 
the whole treasure table goes down. That was someone kicking under the table. That was probably a prankster, wasn't it? <laughs> Liberty doesn't know that she's got a prankster in Don't the family. Don't you love that about Christmas, though, right? That's the thing where you've got your normal table with the family, but then you end up with the garden furniture in or a deck chair or a, like <laughs> temporary a measures. A foot shorter than yeah, the other, so everyone's the, peering over. Yeah, 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 and the kids have to sit down that end. Or the, so, like, it's just the best. I love that about Christmas, just that kind of extended thing that you end up doing. Someone sat in a deck chair eating turkey off a paper plate on their lap <laughs> so I think beware trestle tables to anyone listening yeah try and keep calm delegate what don't do some could, DIY we could get um, Karen Endersbeek could get her dad to do some temporary fixings underneath the trestle table to hold it in place so it can't be kicked down See if he can succeed where he failed with that shelf and redeem himself all these years By later. With Liberty, yeah. who doesn't know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a great idea about the barbecue as well because we had one from Fran Davis who is who had Christmas in South Africa and there it is midsummer, so she spent the whole time cooking the turkey in a bikini and between dips into the pool um, to kind of keep herself cool. So she sat down only to be told it's too hot to eat and no one really bothered to have any of it. So that was her. her yeah, nightmare. but if she maybe. If she she could have barbecued it, then she could have kept cool. But I've always imagined that. Like, what's it like? Like, if you in hot countries at Christmas, mm. what you know, you want the traditional. Particularly if you're like a Brit abroad and you're an expat and you're out there and you're going, oh, I'd like that. I, I, I get it. I, I think the last thing you know, if you're on holiday now, right? If you're in the middle of summer and when, the last thing you think, oh, do you know what I could do with now is a massive Christmas dinner with pigs in blankets and crushed parsnips and you know, pigs in blankets with you know loads of extra gravy and bread sauce and like I get it what I mean what do you eat what do you eat in a hot country like that on Christmas that makes it still feel like Christmas I think you'd have to have it in the evening wouldn't you for a start you'd have to have it in the and you wouldn't want to convert it all like turkey granita and things you wouldn't want to convert it all to (laughs) to beach food and you know Caribbean food would you no but I did have some strange looks. I was staying with some friends in Germany in the height of sun, summer and they hadn't had a Sunday dinner before, like a kind of British roast. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to say thank you for letting me stay. I'm going to cook you one. And I made it with like gravy and there was apple crumble and everything for putting a custard. I got all the stuff for that. And they were like, it's nice. Do you eat this even in the summertime? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we kind of do. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some people listening to this podcast in Australia can tell us what how they cope with the hot weather problem of the Christmas dinner because yeah. I'd be interested we'd all be interested to know wouldn't we 100% um, I think after those horror stories Orlando we're going to need something to, to lighten the mood a little bit well this is where I need your help <laughs> I, I very much need your help now we I have here oh oh there we go oh dear hold on I'm a minute so- <laughs> Have we brought Les Dawson back? (laughs) Now, (laughs) listeners need to know that I have been horrified to find in the studio a miniature electronic (laughs) keyboard where the keys are teeny tiny and I've expected to play uh, Christmas Carol on it with with my friends joining in. So I'm going to do... You're on the bells, okay? And then I'll I'll start the the singing. I'll start the singing. And then you please, please join in. So that... Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what it is it to ride in an open pleasant hang. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. 
Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-north open sleigh. I mean, that was... That was lamentable. It, it was, this is number one, I'd say. Uh, uh, yeah. I've got to be honest, I'm impressed with your mad skills there, my friend. <laughs> do, uh, do you think we'd better do that again? No. No. Definitely not. No. No, 100%. I Thank can't think you. Of, that, never was never that, that was lovely bells. That was lovely bells. And that was the BBC Good Food Christmas podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. Happy Christmas. It's like teeny tiny. Is, that, is, it out of, is it slightly out of tune? It's slightly out of tune, but it's tiny. Look, Miriam, it's tiny. I know, Look. But it's just a sort of slightly. <laughs> My fingers aren't oh, small enough. Yeah.